0: I'm Kim Carson.
1: And I'm Peter Klein.
0: And this is We Had No Idea.
1: Episode 48.
0: Ow, ow. Woo. Uh, the script still says, says we come to you from Okinsis, but I currently am coming to you from O'Kinsis And I acknowledge that I get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina nations, the Iahe and Nkota nations, the Métis nation region three, and all people who make their home in the treaty seven region of Southern Alberta.
1: And I acknowledge that I'm on the lands of the Blackfoot Nitsitapi, the Métis Michif Pee, the Assiniboine, and the Ocheti Sakuin. You can find what native lands you're on at native-lands.ca.
0: Our sources for today are history.com, britannica.com, the BBC, and jack-the-ripper.org, as well as biography.com.
1: hmm Jack dash die, the ripper dot Whoa.
0: <laughs> what a weird little reversal there. I, I don't think right? I've ever read the sources out. Maybe in like one of our first episodes.
1: We did it once where you just wanted to mix things up a little bit where you were feeling a little crazy.
0: Oh, I'm feeling jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> feeling froggy. <laughs>
1: Uh, So yeah, as you can tell, we're in different places. Um, I am in Assiniboia, Saskatchewan for the week. So we are doing this on location today. Well, I am. Anyway, you're still in the exact same spot with the same cats bothering you.
0: Yes, I am currently in our usual location and you are in a new location. I am. Yes. How fun.
1: You can probably hear that, but.
0: Well, we hope you enjoy the episode (laughs) anyways. Thank you, as always, for downloading, for rating, reviewing, subscribing, Uh, telling your friends about us, telling loved ones about us. We appreciate it all. Uh, And you can send us an email if you would like to. We had no idea podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at we had no idea podcast. And you can continue downloading us wherever you like to listen to podcasts.
1: Yes. Um, I have nothing to add to that. You have TikTok. We both have TikTok, but you do more our podcast related stuff on TikTok. You could give that out.
0: Also, I do dumb shit. I am at get your blank on.
1: Right. And I'm at primetime climb, which is where I'm at on every social media thing ever.
0: Right. Except for Twitch.
1: Except for Twitch. I'm primetime PK there.
0: Switch it up. You're feeling froggy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like to keep people on their toes. You know, that's important with branding is to change things as much as you can.
0: Totally. Zero consistency only changes. Right. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Well, we are going to be talking about Jack the Ripper today. This was actually uh, the episode that we had scheduled for the week of February 3rd, mm-hmm. which is my birthday. But, uh, you know, the Olympics were happening and February is Black History Month. So obviously those things are more important. Right. So well, now. Man. Yeah. What?
1: I was going to say, I mean, your birthday is pretty important.
0: Well, that's very sweet of you, but comparatively, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so now on this, the day of our, what do you always say? The year of our Lord?
1: Yes. Yeah. Usually if I'm talking <laughs> about a sport, I'll say the the year of our like baseball gods, 2022.
0: Oh, very funny.
1: So well, the, in this, the, the year of our history Lords, 2022 on April the 12th, we are doing, I guess yeah. you'll hear this on April the 13th, but.
0: Or whenever the hell you want portable on-demand cast, baby.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. What if someone is listening to this on April the 12th, but like 2035?
0: Oh god, that makes me feel ill.
1: Right? First off, how's Mars?
0: First off, how is being the only person to survive the nuclear war?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You Twinkies and cockroaches.
0: Yeah. (laughs) For
1: oh, that got you, eh? hey.
0: When you said you Twinkies, I I totally blacked out hearing cockroaches, um, and I don't know why I just imagined like somebody in a room full of Twinkies, like <laughs> for no reason, right? Hoarding like, them like off, yes,
1: hoarding them in a, a room with um on the other side of a locked door. There's thousands of angry cockroaches trying to get in.
0: Cockroach.
1: <laughs> Cockroach.
0: <laughs> like they're like these are my Twinkies.
1: Yeah. These are my friends. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. Well, why don't you get us started?
1: Okay, uh, so we're doing Jack the Ripper today, as Kim mentioned before. And I mean, it, again, show title, you can see this. Um, in the late 1800s, London's East End, specifically the districts of Whitechapel, Spitalfields, and Aldgate. Ew. It Ew. was. Ew, I
0: hate Spitalfields. What a gross <laughs> community name.
1: Right uh this was a place where skilled workers and immigrants came to begin a new life and start businesses uh but despite this the districts were notorious for violence and crime sex work in the 1880s was only illegal if the practice caused a public disturbance which translated into thousands of brothels and low-rent lodging houses providing a place for sex work out of public view
0: The serial killings that began in August of 1888 stood out from the other violent crime of the time. Ooh, a little rhyme there. Rhyming. A third one. And then it immediately ends. Due to their sadistic butchery, the murders suggested a mind more sociopathic and hateful than the random crime of the times. The summer of 1888 was a cold and wet one, and the newspapers were constantly reporting the amount of rainfall and the lack of sunshine. Most people couldn't remember a worse summer, which brings Um, us to what?
1: I I was going to say, I included that because like, I just, I find it funny that we're about to, well, not funny, but noteworthy that we're about to talk (laughs) about like just five horrifically gruesome murders and everyone else in Spittlesfield or whatever it's called um, (laughs) at the time. We're just like, you know what? It rained a little bit more than I like. And that made me upset. It was, it was just a a horrible, horrible summer because of that.
0: Right. Uh, I know that all those sex workers got brutally murdered but the rain
1: right (laughs) i couldn't go
0: paddle boarding (laughs) i couldn't go whatever the fuck people in 1888 in london do yeah (laughs) i couldn't go spittooning (laughs) um
1: also we forgot to mention at the start of this uh, another reason why we wanted to do this is we've done uh since we first planned on doing this we've done a jack Mm. the ripper um escape room
0: yeah and like spooky as shit
1: we didn't solve it, but we came really close. So I feel yeah. like the the fact that this has been a mystery for the last uh, couple hundred years, like people are just slacking on this. Bring us in.
0: Yeah, totally. We definitely almost made it. That's a great way to put our failure of escaping the room. <laughs> but it was scary. There was like a guy in it with us. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It was terrifying. Right. Yeah. Uh, so August 6th was the holiday Monday of August long. In 1888, and there was no let up to the miserable rain conditions, but the rain did hold off until the evening, looming clouds and coldness caused by the impending storm did keep everyone inside, or at least most people inside.
1: <sighs> dun, I, <don't>... dun, dun.
0: <laughs> I can't believe you did it. I wrote out dun dun dun. <laughs> Uh, At 11 p.m. on August 6th, 1888, Martha Tabram entered the White Swan Pub on Whitechapel High Street and was seen by her sister-in-law, Anne Morris, and according to Anne's inquest testimony, Martha was on her own. Once in the pub, fellow sex worker Mary Ann Connolly provided more testimony.
1: According to Connolly, they met with two uh, soldiers, a corporal and a private. Uh, Neither of those are pertinent information, don't know why I kept that in there, uh, and we're happy for the men to buy them drinks. At around midnight, the four left the pub and headed off along Whitechapel High Street, where they split into couples at the entrance of George Yard, a narrow alley connecting Whiteworth Street and Whitechapel High Street. Connolly and her soldier made their way to the next alleyway along Angel Alley, a dark and sinister little passage that still exists and possesses an exceedingly menacing ambiance which is a great place to just duck into. Uh, according, to, according to the East London advertiser, George Yard was, quote, one of the most dangerous streets in the locality. But for a sex worker with as much time and experience uh, like Martha Tabram, it offered a reasonable amount of privacy in which to do her work. Towards the top of George Yard, on the left, there stood a block of apartments known as the George Yard Buildings. The tenants of these buildings were seen as vagrants and 'er ne'er-do-wells.
0: I threw in the vagrants and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Okay. I just like the term 'er ne'er-do-wells.
1: That's fair. (laughs) Also, seeing it written out, I did not expect ne'er-do-wells to be spelled that way the the nair at the beginning
0: what did you think it was spelled like
1: i don't know i don't know i kind of like an n-a-i-r maybe
0: like the hair removal cream
1: oh i guess yeah maybe that's why it's the only <laughs> nair i've seen so far
0: a staircase up to the Oh, look at that, how we spelled George. Speaking of spellings.
1: George.
0: George, but an A instead of an O. Uh, <laughs> the George Yard buildings had a gas street light on it, and when the staircase lights were extinguished at 11 p.m., the building's landings were cast into darkness that made them ideal for use by sex workers and their clients. Martha would no doubt have been aware of this tucked away spot, um, and it was probably one of the landings that she was headed for with the company of this soldier. Of course, it is now impossible to establish whether the soldier was also, spoiler alert, the one to kill her, or whether a second person carried out the foul deed. At around 2 a.m., police constable Thomas Barrett was walking his beat along Wentworth Street. As he passed the entrance to George Yard, he noticed a soldier loitering there. Barrett remarked to the man that it was probably time to head back to the barracks, and the soldier replied that he was waiting for a friend who had accompanied a woman to one of the buildings nearby. Barrett accepted this without question, and he continued on his beat. How about
1: that for policing hey like hey move along oh it's 2 a.m i'm just waiting out here for someone in a dark (laughs) alley that is described as one of the worst in the history of this city oh okay well that's fine then shoulder shrug moves along right At 3.30 a.m., Alfred Crowe, a cab driver, returned to his home in the George Yard buildings. As he was going up the stairs, he noticed somebody lying on the floor of the first floor landing, but because he often found people sleeping on the landings, he didn't find it odd that there was a person that was uh, unable to say whether it was a man or a woman or whether the person was alive or dead a little over an hour later john reeves a casual waterside laborer which is an amazing way to describe whatever that person does for a living, like a
0: like a, a guy that ties up boats or something
1: i guess yeah i don't know
0: he like he does normal construction work but he just prefers to be by water
1: he actually just like works at a convenience store but it just happens to be right beside the the water He Um, he works
0: at the t-shirt shop on the Jersey Shore.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Great reference.
0: (laughs) He is Um, Mike the Situation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So John the Situation Reeves headed out of his apartment for work, and he also noticed the probe form, but it was now getting light, and he was able to see that it was a woman who was lying on her back in a pool of blood. He hurried off to find a policeman and returned with Constable Barrett, whom he had encountered patrolling the vicinity of George Yard. Barrett sent Reeves to get local medic, Dr. Timothy Killeen, who, after examining the woman, pronounced her dead and gave it as his opinion as she had been brutally murdered.
0: The woman was Martha Tabram, and her murder had been a frenzied one. I also want to just go back and say, um, I kind of want to call bullshit on this first guy, um, Alfred Crow. That is going Mm. up the stairs and he like he's like it it was too dark to see if it was a man or woman and it was also too dark to see if they were dead but then like uh an hour and 15 minutes later john reeves is like well actually it was like a woman lying in blood on her back so like her face was visible right so i'm like hmm
1: also as we'll get to with uh some of the details it like not to be um not to glorify anything it probably wasn't a small amount of blood you know, yeah, like yeah. I would imagine, I, I don't imagine it's that big of an area, so I would imagine, like, gets back up to his house or whatever. And it's like, oh, a little bit of a red substance on my shoes. Well, probably nothing to think about and move on, like,
0: yeah, totally. Um, and then also this Dr. Timothy who examines the woman and pronounces her dead mm-hmm. 39 stab wounds through her body from her throat to her lower abdomen. Yeah, I think that maybe. This examination yep. was, like, fairly straightforward.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Like, it's like he examined her and pronounced her dead. Yeah. Fucking no duh.
1: She died of natural causes of 39 stab wounds.
0: Seriously?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Dr. Killing later told the inquest that the killer had used two different blades. So maybe this is part of his more detailed search. Um <laughs> <laughs> the majority of the wounds were inflicted with an ordinary pocket knife. And then there was a deep wound to her breast that had been dealt by quote, some long, strong instrument, which could have been a sword bayonet or a dagger end
1: quote. At the beginning of September, the police started questioning the neighborhood's sex workers. They learn about a character who the workers nicknamed leather apron, who had been extorting money from them for the past 12 months. On September 7th, a little before 6 a.m., John Davis, an elderly resident of Hanbury Street, came downstairs, walked along the narrow passageway, and opened the back door. The sight that met his eyes sent him reeling back in horror. By the way, the, the fine folks over in the UK who write about this stuff have just yeah. an amazing way with words.
0: Oh, totally. There was some stuff when I was editing this. I was like, well, ugh, I can't take that out, but it's so edi- edit. Oh, what am I trying to say editorialized mm-hmm. that I was like okay well we have to we have to like switch this up a little bit like because this is just straight up a, a novel that yes. we'll just read
1: <laughs> yeah I am already worried that it's maybe a little worried that the, the stuff that I put in but some of the stuff like you said it's like how can I not keep Henbury Street in um it's
0: totally reeling back in horror
1: right yeah exactly um Moment, uh yeah, so reeling back in horror. Moments later, two workmen walking along the street were suddenly startled when, from the open door, a wild-eyed old man came stumbling into the street. Men, he cried, full stop no uh come here <laughs> nervously they followed him along the passageway and looking into the backyard they saw the mutilated body of Annie Chapman lying on the ground between the steps and the wooden fence her head was turned towards the house and her clothes had been tugged up above her waist um I know I'm reading a lot of this but um I want to get to the the doctor arrived to the scene yeah, to give it. his testimony this was the testimony of a doctor on the scene the face was swollen and turned to the right side. The tongue protruded between the front teeth but not beyond the lips. The tongue was evidently much swollen. The front teeth were perfect as far as the first molar top and bottom and very fine teeth they were. The body was terribly mutilated. So could yeah. we not have got to that part sooner, sir?
0: Yes, yeah, seriously it's like she you know what? I'm just going to I need to find this woman's dentist because yes top-notch work right oh also she was terribly mutilated
1: yes yeah like i i get like strong dental hygiene not necessarily known as the strength of the area but like come on (laughs) dude. like can we can we pick this up a little bit uh so he does the stiffness of the limbs was not marked but was evidently commencing he noticed that the throat was dissevered deeply that the incisions through the skin were jagged and reached right around the neck on the wooden paling between the yard in question and the next smears of blood corresponding to where the head of the deceased lay were to be seen these were about 14 inches from the ground and immediately above the part where the blood from the neck lay
0: Mm. later that day whoa later that day the post-mortem would reveal that the killer had deftly cut out Annie Chapman's womb and had run off with it
1: so again I feel like the note about the teeth yeah could have been saved for the end or not at all or left out yes yeah (laughs) if there was a follow-up question about the teeth then by all means yeah wax poetic
0: uh, on September 10th, John Pizer. Sure. Pizer Pizer whom Sergeant thick fingered as leather apron is arrested. He can, however, provide alibis for the two recent murders and is released September 27th. A letter addressed to the boss arrives at the central news agency. It is signed Jack the Ripper, a name which we all know will turn the unknown killer into a world famous legend. Uh, surprise surprise it rained again heavily the night of September 30th Jay Best probably John probably Joshua (laughs) and John Gardner saw a woman named Elizabeth Stride sheltering in the doorway of the bricklayer's arms on Settle Street she was in the company of a man who is about five foot five he had a black mustache sand a black mustache Mm
1: -hmm. sandy
0: eyelashes and was wearing a black morning suit together with a billycock hat
1: so just again, we're having trouble at different points, eyeballing certain things, but yeah. these guys knew that this di- that this five foot five individual had sandy eyelashes. Yeah. No comments about the quality of the teeth, however.
0: Ooh, maybe they had bad dental. Mm-hmm. The most important witness to have seen Elizabeth Stride in the 30 minutes surprise like surprise alert, spoiler alert here, before her body was discovered in Dutfield's yard was Israel Schwartz. He turned into Burner Street at around 1245 a.m. and noticed a man walking ahead of him. The man stopped to talk to a woman who was standing in the gateway of Dutfield's yard. Schwartz was later empathetic. Oh, empathetic.
1: Emphatic. Emphatic.
0: Oh, emphatic. Shit. (laughs) Uh, Emphatic. (laughs) That the woman he had seen was Elizabeth Stride.
1: It is likely that Israel Schwartz witnessed the early stages of Elizabeth's murder and is therefore possibly the only person to have ever seen one of the uh, one of Jack the Ripper's victims in the act of being murdered. It's worth noting, though, that he spoke no English and gave his statement through an interpreter. Hmm. Great. According to Schwartz, the man was. Hold on,
0: hold on. How do you live in London? in the 1880s and they right. don't speak a lick of
1: english yeah who knows i have no idea
0: huh all right yeah. all right go on
1: uh according to schwartz the man was about five foot five bum, bum, bum. aged around 30 with dark hair a fair complexion a small brown mustache bum 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 Hi. He had a full face, don't know what that means, broad shoulders and appeared to be slightly intoxicated. As Schwartz walked, the man tried to pull the woman into the street, but then spun her around and threw her into the footway. And she screamed three times, but not very loudly. Schwartz believed that he was witnessing a domestic attack, so he crossed the road to avoid getting involved, which is a gross thing to read. Um, as he did so, he saw a second man lighting his pipe. As Swartz passed him, the man who was attacking the woman, called out, apparently to the second man, the word Lipsky, at which point the second man began to follow Schwartz. He panicked and began to run and managed to lose his apparent pursuer by the time he reached the nearby railway arch. This second man, Schwartz said, was aged about 35, standing 5 foot 11, so towering, um, had a fresh (laughs) complexion, light brown hair, a brown mustache, and wore a dark overcoat with an old black hard felt hat. The presence of the second man is something of a mystery. I mean, as are all of these. Um, It has been suggested to some that the killer had an accomplice.
0: Speculation?
1: Bum, bum, bum. We have (laughs)
0: none. In a report dated the 19th of October, 1888, Chief Inspector Swanson wrote that, quote, the police apparently do not suspect the second man, end quote. Hmm. Uh, since her body was discovered at 1am Schwartz's sighting of her would mean that Elizabeth Stride was murdered between 12 45am and 1am. So he probably did see like these people that he saw mm-hmm. who were probably at least involved with the Ripper stuff.
1: Right. And if they aren't, it is a wild coincidence that he saw the last people to see this person alive before the Ripper stuff.
0: Yes. Uh, at 1 a.m., Uh, Louis Dimeschitz shoots shoots Daimschitz uh saw a dark form lying on the ground close to the wall of the club leaning forward oh did i say what did i say what is this person's name louis
1: yeah you said louis or louis i don't remember
0: oh my god i think i said louise anyways <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Louis Dimeschutz saw a dark form lying on the ground close to the wall of the club. Leaning forward, he prodded it with his whip, question mark, and tried to lift it. Uh, when this proved unsuccessful, he jumped down to investigate and saw that it was a woman lying on the ground. Thinking it might be his wife, he went back into the club uh, and then found his wife. She was safe, so he told several club members, quote, there is a woman lying in the yard, but I cannot say whether she is drunk or dead, end quote, and who among us? has not been there.
1: Uh, well, like, taking- <laughs> I just, like, again, far from I, I've never been in that situation. Hopefully I never will be in that situation. But it's like, hey, this person laying here drunk or dead may or may not be my wife. Instead of investigating this even a touch further, I'm going to go back inside, leave this person either drunk or dying on the, the side of the road and go check for myself. Like, what? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like you could have, this is like a two, two birds, one stone situation here. Like if you just investigate the the person that you see outside, you'll know if like, if they are drunk or dead and you'll know that they're not your wife.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, like we got to the answers that we needed, but maybe not in the most efficient way.
0: Yeah. So taking a candle Dime returns to the yard with several other club members. Uh, and now they notice blood by the body, probably because they have a candle now, which mm-hmm. is uh, like, you know, their form of lighting in the olden days. Right. Um, they notice blood by the body, and those present winced in horror when they saw that the woman's throat had been cut. She was pronounced dead on the scene.
1: At 1 45 that morning, the body of Catherine. Eddowes is discovered in the City of London. At around 8.30pm the previous evening, she had been entertaining a delighted crowd of onlookers outside of number 29 Aldgate High Street with a spontaneous and drunken imitation of a fire engine. P.C. Robinson of the city police arrived on the scene and asked if any of the onlookers knew who she was or where she lived. None of them did. So Robinson hauled her to her feet and leaned her up against the wall. She promptly slid back down onto the pavement, no doubt to the further amusement of the crowd. Robinson summoned a colleague, um, George Simons, to his assistance, and together they manhandled her round to the police station exact quote there um <laughs> here when asked her name kate replied nothing so the officers placed her in a cell and left her to sober up by twelve fifteen, she had woken and the guard on duty heard her singing softly 15 minutes later she called to him and asked when she would be allowed to leave when you can take care of yourself, the guard called back. I can do that now, came her reply. At 12.55, he brought her from the cell and told her she could go. An hour later, um, poli- I think it says PC. I'm assuming like Police Chief Watkins yeah. or Constable Police or Constable? something. Um, mm-hmm. Police person Watkins turned out (laughs) of Leidenhall Street, strolled along Meter Street and veered into Meter Square and saw Catherine Eddowes was lying on her back in a pool of blood with her clothes thrown up over her waist. So she had been out of the police station for an hour um, by the time they found Mm -hmm. her, which is just so sad.
0: Yeah. Racing across the square, Watkins burst into Curley and Tonge's uh, warehouse where he knew retired policeman George Morris was working as a night watchman. Quote, for God's sakes, mate, cried Watkins. Come to my assistance. Here is another woman cut to pieces. The murder of Eddowes means that another police force, the city of London, uh, now join in the hunt for the murderer. On October 1st, the police make the Jack the Ripper letter that was sent to the CNA public. Uh, And on October 6th, 1888, the Central News Agency receive another letter that is signed Jack the Ripper, but police ask them not to make this one public. Ten days later, on October 16th, George Lusk receives a letter that is addressed from hell, and it contains half a kidney there is press speculation that it belonged to Catherine Eddowes. Uh, and then we wait almost a whole month on November 9th around 4 a.m. on the morning, uh, or that morning, two neighbors claimed that they had heard a faint cry of, oh, murder. Uh, but apparently, cries of murder were quite a regular occurrence in the neighborhood and often meant a drunken brawl was taking place or a domestic violence was occurring. No biggie, right? <laughs> it was quite customary for those on the receiving end of such violence to scream murder.
1: Uh, all of so this. That's,
0: that's like so fucked up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, that uh, a letter was sent containing half a kidney. Yeah. Um, second of all, that whole thing you just said, like just all of it, just, ugh.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, not that, you know, domestic violence, like it still happens all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds
0: like it was literally an
1: expectation at this time. Right.
0: Like, oh, you don't hit your wife? What's wrong with you?
1: Yeah, exactly. What? What? at 10 45 that morning mary kelly's landlord sent his assistant thomas bauer to collect her overdue rent after knocking on the door to mary's flat and getting no answer the assistant went up to the fire escape to her window bauer pulled aside a curtain that covered the broken window pane he saw what was most likely to him a murder scene and ran back to the landlord's office to say i knocked at the door could not get anyone could not make anyone answer i looked through the window and saw a lot of blood the assistant and landlord went up to kelly's place together and found the wall behind the bed was spattered with blood on the bedside table was a pile of bloody human flesh which oh right there on the bed barely recognizable as human lay the virtually skinned body of mary kelly there was some self-editing there Mm -hmm. um this is a, a quote now from the landlord. The site we saw, I cannot drive away from my mind. He told a journalist, it looked like more like the work of a devil than of a man. I heard a great deal about the Whitechapel murders, but I declared to God, I had never expected to see such a site as this.
0: Yeah, bro. I don't think anybody did.
1: No, no, that's not one that you're just like prepared for.
0: no. Mary Kelly's body was in her bed. Her head was turned towards the window. Her face had been mutilated beyond recognition. One feature in particular struck inspectors, quote, the poor woman's eyes. They were wide open and seemed to be staring straight at me with a look of terror, end quote. Um, the mutilations were so thorough to Mary Kelly's face that her lover, Joseph Barnett, was later only able to identify her by her eyes and ears. Oh. Uh, the whole of the surface and the abdomen and thighs was removed and the abdominal cavity was emptied of its viscera. Her breasts were cut off arms mutilated by several jagged wounds and her face hacked beyond recognition. The tissues in her neck were severed all around to the bone um, And then her uh, abdomen viscera was found in various locations around her own body, uh, uterus and kidneys with a breast under her head, another breast by her foot, liver between her feet, intestines by the right side, and spleen was by the left side of the body. Uh, She is believed by many to be Jack the Ripper's last victim.
1: All of that was horrifying. Dude, totally. Totally. Uh, so the murders suddenly stop. Uh, this says in the fall of 1888. I, I don't know how they classify seasons there, but I would say November is winter. But nonetheless, not yeah, the
0: mid-November,
1: not the important detail here. Um, but her although, teeth, how are right, her teeth? Right, yes, exactly. Um, although there were several others over the years that were at least a little bit linked to him, but London citizens continue to demand answers that would not come even more than a centrally, uh, century later. The case, which has spawned an industry of books, films, TV series, and historical tours, as we went on, kind of, um, has met with a number of hindrances, including lack of evidence, a gamut of misinformation and false testimony, and tight regulations by Scotland Yard. In 2011, British detective Trevor Marriott, who has been long investigating the Jack the Ripper murders, made headlines when he was denied access to uncensored documents surrounding the case by Metropolitan Police. According to an ABC News article, in 2011, London officers had refused to give Marriott the files because they included protected information about police informants that handing over the documents could impede on the possibility of future testimony by modern-day informants.
0: So if not, even the investigators are able to see the full files on the Ripper cases, then probably we'll never have answers to the gruesome murders. uh, And the legend of the Ripper will continue to be a mystery. But I want to say, imagine finding some shred of proof that like your great, 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 great uncle was the Ripper or some shit like that. Could you imagine?
1: Oh, yeah, that that would be that would be a lot to, to deal with chilling wasn't there a show like that like uh, the guy was like i want to see if my grandpa was the zodiac killer and then
0: the conclusion of
1: that show was like i don't know maybe
0: I thought that it was, there was that show that was like, could one man be responsible for all of the crazy shit that's happened in history, including John Bonet Ramsey?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Like, there
0: was that show too that's like, he's Zodiac. He was also somehow Manson. He is also somehow Jack the Ripper. Like, it was like yeah, this wild story of like, yeah, he was everything.
1: Right. He was also Timothy McVeigh, some crazy how.
0: He's also... You, the right. watcher.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, um, I'm realizing now we went through a lot of very gruesome details here and have no satisfying conclusion at all, aside from the fact that one of them kept very good care of their teeth. Um, right. It's like so all these people were violently murdered and the person who did it likely got away.
0: Yeah. The end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so definitely unsatisfying. And it is, you know, it is very sad to even going through um, the research for this. Uh, we, of course, changed anything that did not say sex worker to say sex worker because um, that was, you know, a, a different derogatory term at the time. Uh-huh. Um, there's uh, there's the cases of the sexual or I mean, probably sexual violence, but also the domestic violence in this story. Um, It just seemed like a fucking awful time to be alive and to be a woman. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick a time where I don't want to be alive, probably going to go with 1880s, virtually anywhere in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. And also the rain.
0: Oh, the ground was so soft.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was so (laughs) dreary.
0: I had to carry an umbrella, but umbrellas were shit back then, too.
1: Yeah. It was just like wood on a stick that you held (laughs) over your head.
0: You just carried a ceiling around with you. It was (laughs) fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, as always, for downloading, for listening, subscribing, writing a review, following if it's on Spotify. I don't think you can leave reviews, but anyways. I think if you uh, listen
1: enough, there is a thing.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I think we've been over that. So yeah. if you if you listen to us on Spotify, you just figure it out. You do it. Right. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, like I said, off the top of the show, if you want to send us an email, you certainly can. We encourage it. In fact,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at we had no idea podcast.
1: Yes. uh, Thank you for putting up with us, taking the week off last week. Um, This is, this is the make good for that. And we'll be doing, Kim will have a a solo episode coming out uh, a little bit later on, as I couldn't possibly do two of these uh, in one week in Saskatchewan. And also, I don't know if small town internet could handle that. So um, (laughs) yes, thank you uh, everyone so much for listening and Kim will talk to you later this week and I'll, I'll talk to you uh, next week.
0: Talk to you sometime. Bye.
1: (laughs) Bye sometime about something.